Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. Sure, and I'm John Morris, to Ralu Ralura. And on this episode, uh. we'll be discussing The Conspirators, originally broadcast on May 13th, 1978, directed by Leo Penn, written by Howard Burke from an idea by Pat Robeson, and starring Clive Revel, Jeanette Nolan, Albert Paulson, L.Q. Jones, Bernard Behrens, Michael Horton, and, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. Each time we're joined by a guest this time around, it's returning guest, Stephen Goss, curator of the Columbo Interiors Tumblr. But before we bring him on, Brother John, can I check yes. out your RV? It'll make you a believer. Uh, poet, author, raconteur, former jailbird, and banjo murderer Joe Devlin makes amends <laughs> for his youthful indiscretions as a pocket member of the IRA. Having renounced his separatist ways, Joe tours the homes and hangouts of the wealthy as a celebrity peace activist, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for the victims of the troubles back home. Or does he? No, of course he doesn't. Because peacemakers are always the real bad guys in stories about war, which is maybe an attitude we ought to reevaluate. Anyway, Joe is arranging to send loads, an RV full, one might say, of compact semi-automatic weapons out to the Emerald Isle to shoot things on it quickly and in large volume. But the middleman between himself and the arms dealer is getting greedy, leaving Joe no choice but to shoot him and then just leave tremendous loads of obvious evidence behind. There is also a Benedict Cumberbatch-looking cowboy involved, Benedict Cowboyabatch. While Devlin <laughs> desperately seeks an alternative source for the illegal weapons, which he's so desperate to ship homeward, Columbo challenges the writer Blarney for Blarney. It becomes a contest between which one of them can seem more unassuming and harmless to the other, while Devlin and his compatriots make arrangements to arm the IRA. There is also a sex book and a darts competition, and this, the last episode filmed for the original incarnation of the show. Thank you, John Stephen. My pleasure. Welcome back yes. to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, thanks for coming back, and and uh, I think we put this one out to you because uh, your uh, weblog it, it started out as kind of chronicling uh, with these great screenshots of just empty uh, sets, the decorations and everything. It was very interesting, and then when you kind of ran through those, you switched it to folks drinking on Columbo, and if there was an episode. <laughs> Uh, for that, it would definitely be this one. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this one, um, I think I'm probably going to be doing screen caps for this episode. I'm working on that right now, probably all the way through the summer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it is It is a part-time job. Just screen caps of people drinking from this. And they're always drinking whiskey, but they're drinking. And that's the important thing. Well, yeah, I will thing. say Joe Devlin does not turn down a good ale. That's true. Yes, yes. Beers as I'm well. sitting here in my studio looking at a tall glass of Irish ale in the hands of Joe Devlin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this episode is interesting. It's odd. It is. It was the last one filmed and produced, but it wasn't the last one actually aired. I think that was Make Me a Perfect Murder, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, but basically this was the one that closed out what people thought would be Columbo. Uh, the people making it, this was the last time they thought they would ever be doing a Columbo, pretty much, ever, uh, until they came back in the late 80s. So it was kind of, I, I, I think, to me, an odd one to go out on. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure where to start on it, because I kind of, I have mixed feelings about it. I know John wasn't a huge fan. Uh, you, St you, Stephen, you, you enjoy this one a great deal, right? 
<laughs> you know, I actually. Well, go ahead. I, actually, I have to interrupt real quick, RJ. This must be the Ides of Columbo. Why is that? Because I, I'm betraying you. Oh. We had conversations for weeks before this podcast. Right, about right. I know, but I, yeah. when I, when I did, did the review, it was like, eh, it wasn't yeah. as I didn't dislike it as intensely as I did the first time I saw it. I well, thought, oh, the there's some things that are okay, but I mean, yeah. the, the the murder is the thing that bothers me the most in this. Mm. But there's some elements in it that are like, eh, they're all right. I don't dislike it as much as I did when I first saw it, and I don't dislike it as much as you do. Is the thing. Well, that's the thing. So. I don't dislike it. Oh, wait, what? I thought you... <laughs> I watched I it. You I watched really it again. Like it. How, you, how many times I you watched it, what, John? Again. How many times? Oh, my God. Four. Four. I figured. <laughs> I was going to say five, but all right. <laughs> I watched it again two nights ago, and this time I watched it on my tablet with my headphones on. Oh, that changes it. What? It did. It made it a really kind of intimate experience, and... Oh, like the erotic I, art book. Hmm. Uh, exactly like the erotic art. I had to hold my tablet up and then I turned it 90 degrees to get a better look at something. And there, there was just some, some random stranger, a woman, oh. who just happened to be at your bookshelf in your living room, who just, just looked over at you disapprovingly, like, where'd you go? And then she was <laughs> gone. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really like the pacing. It still feels really flat, but I think everything in this is kind of done well. It's yeah, just, but... I don't know that it came together. I guess but, that's so, my big. Pro- I guess that's my big problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, I hand it off to Stephen because, uh, you know, it's. Yeah. I think you can extol the virtues of it better than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I oddly enough, when you asked me, I was sort of like ugh, because when oh, I really? the conspirators a while back when I was you know first introduced to Colombo, I was like oh, eh. but then I have to admit. After the rewatch, I think this might be, I would have to at least argue, probably the best episode out of this block of like the sixth and seventh season. Oh, interesting. I I agree with John in that. I just think it's put together really well. I think the dialogue is really sharp. Yeah. I I didn't even feel like there was much filler in this one, which I was kind of at first when I came back, I was like, oh, there was a lot of filler in this one. But I feel like it's just everything is so sharp. It's a lot sharper than maybe some of the other episodes from this from this era, I guess. Hmm. I would definitely agree on that, um, especially compared to uh, its sort of cousin, I guess, uh, Make Me a Perfect Murder. I did like this better than that episode. Um, that That's one of my least favorite 70s ones, actually. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess the one... Yeah, I, I think... I guess I agree with the thing that there are more... There are elements that are very good in it, but I think just the, at the core of it, uh, the murder, the thing that sets everything in motion, is just, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I can mm. kind of justify it in some ways in that it really sets up uh, Devlin as just being this total screw-up who just ruins everything, and he can't help <laughs> ruining everything. But I just feel like that's not a good justification for a murder on this series, really. That doesn't that doesn't help it along for me. Well, you know what, that was, to me, I sort of agree that that was the weak point for me was... I feel like they sort of at some points will put Joe Devlin up as like he's sort of like wise to the like the cops. I mean, that's like his whole upbringing. He was like in prison. Mm-hmm. He sort of knows his way around. He's been through the system. But then he immediately shows up at the hotel uninvited to start talking to Columbo. Yes. Right. Well, and I felt. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there was no reason. There was nothing to set that up. And then, he, bad wait, and then he takes it to the bar where they put the bottle out, which pretty much is the moment. And <laughs> Columbus like, "Oh yeah, this guy's totally the killer." Right? No, that's like, that's why he screws. I mean, from the from the get go, the actual killing 
There was no reason for him to do it. He had no justification whatsoever. Well, it was self-defense. What? Yeah. Devlin? Yeah. Self-defense? Yeah. How? He got a, he had a gun pulled on him. Yeah. Uh, hey, RJ. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and he was I also so... double-crossing him. I didn't... I he wasn't double-crossing was He wasn't double-crossing him, though. I don't think there was no reason for him to believe he was double-crossing him, I don't think. I think he just well, made all these... Well, except he was about to run off to Lisbon, you know. Was he? The guy said he doesn't explain it. He's a European arms dealer. Maybe he was going to go to Lisbon for something else entirely, come back, or maybe he just didn't want to be in town while this deal was going down. There was no are proof you, on Devlin's are side. Are you not all arms dealering this guy? <laughs> Hashtag not all arms dealers. Well, I, I think old... Okay, yeah, that's what I'm doing, John. I'm, I'm arms dealer shaming. That's what I'm doing, John. You got me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm an arms dealer. But he shamer. does say to Devlin, I'll hang out with the, you know, over the next few days to make sure the shipment goes well. I mean, it, I can see where Devlin's a little like, this guy is, is this well, guy yeah, playing? He says that in, in the conversation because heretofore Devlin had not made that demand. And the guy made his reservations to fly away earlier than that. But Devlin just kind of turns on him. He's like, oh, I'm just going to kill you because you're a traitor. There was no... There was no reason for him to do that, and it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. And Devlin just digs himself into the biggest hole with the arms dealer community, with very, very wealthy industrialists, with the IRA. I don't think this guy is going to survive it to make the trial, pretty much. Because, like, uh, somebody's going to want him dead at the end of this episode, after it ends, to like uh, before he can actually testify against anyone involved in this. I would have loved it if the arms dealers like dying were just like I was just going to see my kid. Exactly. Like you don't that. know if He's that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Huh. I, I just think the, the, the murder at the core of it is just and he just keeps making stupid, stupid mistakes one right after the other, and I just... <laughs> he's not up to the usual standard of a Columbo murderer in my book. So I think that's the thing that bothered me the most about it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, he's not hes not the most clever killer. Yeah, because the... the and then his plan is, once he kills uh, the arms dealer, mm. then he's going to try to figure out who the arms supplier is, by uh, picking up all the papers in his hotel room. It's like, well, torture the guy first before you murder him to get you to get the name of the RV dealer. Maybe you do that. I mean, that's a terrible plan. And then just kind of stumbling upon a phone number and a TV guide. But it's and not even that's him. How he does the, it. It's the little leprechaun idiot he brought with him. Oh, right. Yes, that guy. <laughs> that guy is the one who finds... That guy is the guy who... Yeah, his, his little uh, the Irish assistant guy is what actually finds the phone number written in the scribbled in margins of a TV guide. He's the one who saves uh, the day for him uh, to get to the weird, uh, yeah, as you put it, Benedict Cumberbatch-looking uh, cowboy, cowboy can I, way, can RV I, dealer. Can I apologize oh. for calling that guy a leprechaun? I actually feel really bad about that. That's kind of a slur. Sorry. Uh, in my notes, oh, I actually... Oh, right. You're, you're, you're saying that's a slur. And in the entry, you went, okay, John, you're right. You're right, John. Oh, no, 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 you're right. That, that's making completely fun of, making fun of Clive Rebel's accent a little bit there because he was a a bit far south of Belfast. Well, sure, and actually that's something I didn't I didn't realize till looking it up uh, recently. He's from New Zealand, so he was yeah. doing a little yeah. bit of a a bit of a yeah, kind of. He could have been thing. doing a lot worse. It could have been Shard, I did not kill no man there. Forgive me of my whiskey or anything like that. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like Paula Malcolmson doing unfortunate stage Irish on Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> which you ought well, to watch someday at something. I was going to say, this episode for the 70s could have been way more like Irish, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they really did. I mean, besides maybe like a full-on limerick contest, <laughs> right. they could have went a lot further. With, I mean, and I guess I always that scene I can't get over is like where they're where the woman sitting in the American Friends for Northern Ireland. She's dressed in all green. Right. But that could have been the whole audience. They, I, I mean, the thing they is, had the wherewithal or the, you know, the re, re, the control to just keep it to one person. But the thing is, one thing I was actually interesting about him, he's playing a character who knows how to play people using that. Like that mm-hmm. one thing where he's doing the fundraiser in uh, the rich folks' home. I actually wrote down the phrase Irish minstrelsy, and he knows how to yeah. do that, and that's what he's doing pretty much. He's yeah. like, oh, they expect yeah. that, so I'm giving him that little like. That bit of blarney and everything, because he knows, like, okay, they'll give up the money with that, pretty much. Right. Closes yeah. out with whiskey in the jar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel like he, like he was a good killer, if only somebody else had the motivation for it. Yeah. If, I, if anybody does that make sense? Uh, wait. Actually, if, wait. Um, no. Hold on. Yeah, I'm sorry. That. George O'Connell. Speak on that, if you will. Sure. George O'Connell, who just really kept wanting to get involved. Right. uh, He's uh, played by Bernard Behrens, Mm -hmm. um, which, by the way, I read is uh, uh, Brendan Behan the first time I was writing my notes. And I thought, what an amazing episode. Yeah. Or Kate O'Connell, who, if they had been dealing with the weapons, which makes more sense. I don't understand why... Joe Devlin, who's not connected to the shipping industry, was handling all the shipping industry stuff. But uh, I feel like they could have been like good people to be handling the arms deals and then the ones to arrange the murder. And maybe Devlin, you know what? I'll go ahead and rewrite it real quick. Okay, yeah. I think... And we'll do a staged reading right here of the entire I think... two-hour episode. <laughs> I think the way it should have worked was that George O'Connell should have been in contact. He should have sent Carrie uh, over, to Carrie Malone, played by Michael right. Horton, over to do the murder. And then Carrie is an idiot. And he doesn't have much else to do in the show, so this would have given him something good to do. And Joe would have taken his place and fucked it up. That's how I would have done it. Well, I think the key, though, is the fact that Joe fucked it up. He fucks mm-hmm. everything up in this episode. He is so sloppy and bad at it. And the weird thing is, too... They always imply that he drinks too much, he gets drunk, but not at any single point in the episode does Clive Reville, Reville play it drunk. He no, he's, seems... a, he's a champion booze hound. I will give him credit for that. Right, but I mean, it seems like once in a while they would have him play it a little sloppy drunk or obvious drunk to make some just to give some justification yeah. for him messing these things up and having these lapses in judgment that just send everything in a tailspin. But they never that would have been do good that. Too. I think that would have, been, think that would have helped. Was, he was good at getting drunk in a really specific way, which is his um, benevolence and his friendliness and his garrulousness got more and more forced and kind of mm. sharp right. the more he drank, uh, okay. yeah. which I have to assume was his was his goal. I also uh, you know... Oh, God. I just want to say this real quick. Uh, while we're talking about Joe fucking everything up, my favorite scene is uh, Joe talking to uh, George O'Connell just before Columbo appears, and Joe is assuring him, there's nothing to connect us, there's no evidence, nobody knows we had anything to do with this Polly. <laughs> right. And then Columbo shows up, and he's just like, drop, 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 well, you did it, and he takes off, and they have that scene where you see Joe's reflection in the pinball machine. I wish I could remember what he actually says, but it's just something like, yeah, damn idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one's harder on Joe Devlin than Joe Devlin. Well, the, uh, I, oh, sorry, guys, please. 
And I was to say that is my that is one of my it's like where he's like actually saying no one will ever know. Then they panned a Colombo basically playing pinball in the living room. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it is probably one of the best sort of reveals. I don't know why it's so satisfying, but it's like because I think I think after after uh, he says that, and also it's it's interesting too because it's not often on Colombo that other people are directly implicated in the crime, but this mm-hmm. makes uh, George O'Connell and Carrie accessories after the fact because they know what happened he's explained it he's obviously told them that he's murdered this person yeah but after he tells them that i think after he says a thing like oh they were fine nothing's wrong i think that's when carrie they cut to carrie sticking his head out in the porch going there is a policeman in the parlor (laughs) which i think yeah (laughs) oh wow you nailed that one that was exactly good that was good can i just uh, pause but my favorite carrie moment is after colombo they colombo sees the whiskey bottle go down to joe devlin and then he leaves and then they pan to like joe and then they go over to carrie and he's sitting at the table with this like just shitty looking grin on his face with a fork (laughs) with a potato on it (laughs) i missed it was a potato it really is a potato (laughs) i missed that small little potato it's like he's such a man child in every scene it's awesome good lord (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I, Carrie did not have like a really meaty role. He primarily was ballast in Joe Devlin's weird car, but I kind of like Carrie. He's my Lisa for this episode. <laughs> oh, wait, what's the, um, oh, where is it? There, there was actually, there was a scene with him where Carrie actually expresses some regret, uh, that, that the, the arms dealer had to be killed. And Devlin actually says that moment like, oh, well, and wars that are sometimes innocent, uh, yeah. uh, innocent death. So he admits that he screwed up and he shouldn't have killed the guy. That he admits there yeah. pretty much that he had no reason to kill him. So right. he goes from calling him a traitor to, yeah, I shouldn't have murdered that guy. Which I thought that was kind of a very, very interesting thing to throw in there. Mm-hmm. That he knows he made a huge mistake. Yeah, he just spent like 12 hours trying to throw a, co- a cop off the trail. So yeah. he's got to be recriminating himself a little bit. Oh, my goodness. I am yeah. at that shot of Carrie eating the potato. And you're right. It's just a potato on a <laughs> oh fork. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was a potato. I thought it was like, oh, it's some piece of food, bar food. It's a There's potato an on a fork. Glass. Why do they do that? But Come my on. favorite part, he does, weird, have, he does have a, uh, a handkerchief, I think it is. All right. Tucked into his collar. What? Oh, yeah, it's like it's. Yeah, but then, do you think there was a moment like when That's I kept ridiculous. seeing Carrie and like like Joe Devlin's patting him on the head and he's like over eagerly clapping? Like, do you think it was written for a kid at one point? Like, I feel like it was so odd. Like, it, right, it your father, seem... shine my shoes. Yeah, it did seem strange. I yeah. thought it was written as a relationship. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought I thought them two was was. Oh, hitting. I could. I could see that actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh, poss- no, you know what? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Them two was hitting it as you put so. Them two was hitting. Yes, yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> One of them boys is the other one's whip. Okay, uh, all right now. <laughs> oh, no, dear. I just there is a the the relationship they have. Uh, Devlin is really stern but affectionate with him. So he does that like write your mother. How long did you write your mother? And he says two weeks, like more like two months. Go write your mother. Right. You know, I felt like they had a nice intimate relationship that I could see them being lovers. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, hard to say in 1978 because, you know, they're not going to show it on TV. So. Well, no, of course not. Uh, but, I mean, there's there's always, you can see the subtext is written in there. But, again, it's one of those things where you wonder, is it something deeper or are we ascribing 
mm-hmm. too much to a script. Right. It's like, eh. You're right. Because we want we want to see better things. We want to see deeper things in something that's maybe kind of like, eh. All right, that's very possible. Well, I mean, yeah. they had they had a good relationship. Whether yeah. we're you know how we fill yeah. it in is really right. just that's yes. a product yes. of it. Exactly. Uh, for eleven cents, you got uh, TV programs published weekly, including features like the fans write in, feats of the satellites. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. That was that, that that's was the, on the second cover item the on the TV programs. Yep. Okay. Picture pages, special features, and don't forget reviews on page thirty-five. Thirty-five of, of that little tam- pamphlet of the booklet that was clearly sixteen pages. Yes. All right. <laughs> Bless maybe, their maybe they maybe they uh, in the printer setting they did like a two yeah two pages per. Nobody in props is like, it's a zine. Can we get more blank pages, please? Nah, it's fine. I, I uh, want to say, like, an odd thing that kind of uh, uh, bugged me, too. Columbo's, I think there was, there were some tight things in this, but I think there was a bit of filler in it because it was one of the longer episodes. And those, they always did throw a bit in more than they needed to have. And for me, a lot of that was Columbo back in the hotel room Endlessly yeah. spilling whiskey on the carpet. <laughs> you know what? But that makes for one of my... I know it's not when Columbo spills, but one of my favorites is like when Devlin puts his fingers in the puddle and goes, sniffs it and goes, whiskey. That's <laughs> <laughs> how champion he is as a drinker. Like he's like, oh, yeah, whiskey. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not vodka. It's brown in alcohol, <laughs> so that might be whiskey. Okay. <laughs> Columbo's just pouring them out for his dead homies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? Am I allowed to counter and say, I originally was thinking this episode a lot of filler, but I almost enjoyed, like, like you were talking about, no, like, the scene at the bookstore, and uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in Columbo. In fact, they reuse oh, that good. Box and he sees the book, and he does, like, the double take. Oh, and they reuse it. The, 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 oh, well, they, so you guys just did Murder and Self-Portrait, where he kind of does right. the same with Barsini's yeah. book. Oh, Right, oh, I guess it does. Yes, and he rotates it. Like I think that's the thing that they did that they start putting into Columbo as a character. But right, I, because I think that's the yeah, where he's a little embarrassed by uh, sexy things, and yeah. yeah, that's always been kind of under there throughout the entire deal. Like he goes to other artists. I think because I remember like uh, the the um, uh, the one with uh, Ross Martin. I think there is. He goes to Vic Tabak. Yes, yeah, yeah. he oh, goes right. to Vic He goes to Vic Tabak Studio, and there's a lady right. kind of like, oh, they're oh, all right. together, and he's like, oh, man, I don't want to see that. Like, there's always something where he sees something, some sort of uh, nudity, and he gets a little kind of like, oh, well. Oh, and of course, Sex and the Married Detective. There's a lot mm. of that too. But yeah, no, the book thing. Yeah, you're right. That isn't there as well. But that still well, was an odd long sequence to me, especially the long pantomime uh, through the window with the bookseller. Let's talk about this. <laughs> right. <Sure. laughs> I think, you know, using the uh, the philosophy, the theory we have about Columbo being an antibody, I think this, I think he accidentally killed a sitcom set in a bookstore. What? what? I think <laughs> while that, he was trying to kill it's in there this for show. Like five, ten minutes. Uh, okay. Yep, it's dead now. All right. That, ki- that woman who looks disapprovingly at everybody while they read fuck books. <laughs> that, that's a character books. that's a character on the show the uh, over the weird the uh why was i gonna call her a stewardess the clerk who works there who has animated conversations with strangers behind the uh, to the other side of the window that's a character and columbo just accidentally swept by and just antibodied all over it, and that show is dead now well, actually, speaking of the bookstore, one thing I really, really loved about this uh, episode, and especially the second time I watched it, the opening of it 
uh, without any words, just through the uh, camera shots, the editing, um, establishing uh, who Devlin is so perfectly. Just the panning through the bookstore window, stopping at a stack of his books in the window, yeah. and looking up and seeing people holding up the books like it's some sort of big to-do with him, and then cutting to the arms dealer looking, holding the book and looking through it. It told you everything you needed to know about like, Okay, this guy... Famous writer. This guy needs something from him, yeah. but it's sinister. I thought that, uh, and the part of Leo Penn, uh, was just a wonderful, wonderful bit of visual storytelling and setting the scene without having to have the dialogue and people saying, like, well, you're a writer, you're Irish, I need to talk to you. No, it was just... <laughs> I, th I thought that, right. actually, it was one of the most wonderful parts of the episode, that opening uh, uh, sequence. Right. Well, you know, what I like about the bookstore is I because what made me change my mind on like sometimes I get a little tired when it's like this sort of you feel like a laugh track should be behind some of the scenes in Columbo sometimes yeah. which you guys do nicely. Oh, is, nice. uh, but there's some things where like uh, we're like there's this conversation where he finally comes into the store and he's like, what were you saying? And she says, I wrote this down. I was like, it's a smasher, especially if you're Irish. And he goes, <laughs> well, man, my name's Columbo. Yeah, so I know. That was a good like, Yeah. Well, I'm not Irish. Good luck. Like, they don't, it's like, there's not a lot of, you know, exposition. It's just straight into, like, it's a really, like, tight, almost, you might, if you blink, you miss it type of, like, sort of humor underlying it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then on top of it, we get that whole delivery of, like, the, the Shin Fang thing, too, which I thought right. was nice. It I really worked That out. was a good, yeah, that was actually a really good way to uh, bring that in, too, and explain it to people. Because, I, I don't know, late 70s, was that as well known of a thing here in the U.S. as it became in the mid to late 80s? I don't know. What, the, well, the no, IRA? Well, I, <laughs> no, but I mean, was it covered as much here in the news as it was in the 1980s? It seems to me like growing up in the 80s, you saw it in the nightly news, you heard about Sinn yeah. Féin, you heard about the conflict, yeah. you heard about the troubles, but I don't know if in the late 70s it was as much as it was a few years later. So I was actually kind of as surprised and impressed it really did a good job of diving into a bit of that and explaining it somewhat but i don't know because i would have been like three or four yeah. i just know I actually, when i was older i saw it a lot in popular culture in the news well we we talked about this a little before we started recording that my wife and i were very annoyed by the politics of this episode oh. because the it's straight up the the northern irish are liars and they will steal your money to buy guns there's no equivocation in this episode whatsoever yeah. Well, is it it's, is it? Well, I know like these people are specifically bad for doing it, but also is it kind of well, yeah, because it then it does. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Yeah, because it kind of. Uh, hmm. Burke talked about writing this, and he said, you know, his other episode is, um, by Don's Really Light, right? Mm -hmm. Which and he actually likes the conspirators better, personally speaking, and it's because he says it has a quote, uh, pseudo political theme. And the, the political theme is you can't trust the Northern Irish. I don't, there's no other politics to this. It's just like status quo politics. Right. And it's kind of offensive to watch the story, especially when they go through the trouble of making the characters likable. That just, you know, doubles what's And yeah, but... let's, go to the, let's go to the point too where the O'Connells built America, right? And we yeah. can't trust them either. There's just this big, oh, they're all, they insinuate they built the country, but then they sneak guns back to kill people, and they pretend they're going to give the money to orphans. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. I don't like the message of this is one. It, is it doing it that, or is it, 
I guess so, but also there's the whole thing of this, it, it does do the whole rich people class thing. You can't trust them either, mm. because at the end she's telling Columbo like, "Oh, you didn't get to the ship. Too bad." Yeah. And he's like, "So yeah. the law can't touch rich people too." So I think that's part of it also. It can't touch rich people. It can't touch successful people. Right. And everybody in America has a chance to become rich and successful. And once you do, the law doesn't apply to you. You do whatever the hell you want. Was to. this? Was it last episode that we talked about um, how the class? I think I, I have a theory that the class consciousness element on, on Columbo has a lot to do with. It's when the rich people stop yes. living up. Yeah, yes. stop living up yeah, to yeah. their responsibilities. Yeah, with Max Barcini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Devlin doesn't have any. Devlin has zero responsibilities as a rich person because he's an ex-con and a mug and a bum and a poet. Well, no, and also and, I think I think another reason too that he kind of screws up a lot is because he's gone soft because now he's a media celebrity. Yeah. And now he's mm-hmm. just kind of working on that and dining on that, and he just kind of he doesn't have whatever he had back then mm-hmm. uh, to actually do the fight. So now he's doing whatever he can as a just kind of rich, soft guy. Just uh, yeah. Do you think if he goes back to Ireland, they kind of like turn their noses up to him? Oh, I would guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So this well, plus, is the only way you can do it is to send them 500 guns in an RV. That's the only way you can do it. Now. <laughs> to actually feel like he still has a hand in, this is the only way you can do it. Right. So I think that's part of the problem for him, too, is that he feels like he's lost it because he moved to the U.S. He's become this guy who just plays the banjo in front of a bunch of rich people to try to get money from them, and that's the best he can do as opposed to being in the fight any longer. And yeah. so I think that's how he kind of makes these mistakes because he just doesn't know how to play that game anymore. That's my read on the fellow. But yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. That is. Yeah. And he was also, uh, he probably not welcome back in Northern Ireland cause he was sleeping with Jessica Fletcher's nephew. Oh, right. Yes. That's the thing I found out just for the show. The guy who played Carrie, uh, played Grady Fletcher on, uh, murder. She wrote, uh, who was her nephew who was, always involved in murders or always getting accused of murders many, many, many times. Did, times of, did tons of murders, basically. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so they, can I ask a question about connections on this show? Is that sure. okay to go to a tangent? So we, 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 we're okay. We're okay with connections and tangents. Like 70, just 80 episodes and we're once. fine. Yeah. Well, because you often point out, you're good at pointing out the Star Trek connections. I, is this... I was. This is one of the first Star Wars connections, I would assume, with Columbo. Oh, oh because like, of uh, Rebel's Clive, voice acting. Rebel, yeah, yeah, as the Emperor and Empire Strikes Back, as the voice mm-hmm. of the Emperor. Yeah. Is oh this wait, the, he actually he, the voice of the the, the not the, just the games. He actually yeah. did the voice of the Emperor in the film. Yeah, and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Um, he's also got a Star Trek connection. Oh. He was. Uh, oh, it's a Next Generation episode, and he plays. Uh, he plays like the the magical dandy type. You know how that pops up in Star Trek. Oh, I'll sure, all the time. Yeah, up. yeah. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll go find more more info about it. Well, and also the Star Trek <laughs> thing. Uh, the guy who played uh, Carrie actually was in, I think, uh, two of the Next Generation Star Trek films, oh. uh, playing oh. characters too. He played Sir Guy of Gisborne in a Q episode. Uh, of course he did. Yeah. And of course there was a character named that in a Q episode. Sure, why not? <laughs> all right. Oh, I love it. Q yeah. episodes. It's moronic. Um, 
Oh, so there's I, a, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. There's something interesting about this episode, too, that I was wondering about. Um, I can only find one reference to this, and it's not in the Columbo file, which makes me wonder if this is accurate. But apparently this, this script was not a Columbo script. It was not written for Columbo. It was supposed to be a pilot for a different show. And I, hmm. yeah, that's what IMDb says, yeah. Yeah, yeah but IMDb is the only place that says it. And IMDb implies that some of it was filmed before it was Columbo. I don't know mm. if that's true, but there is a film stock difference in this. I don't know if it's just, you know, sometimes you change film stock depending on your budget. But right. I don't yeah, know what I to think know. about that. I mean, I could kind of see an argument for that, given that the tone is different, given that the murder is different, as I've talked about mm. for 20 minutes on this episode. Um <laughs> I, well, maybe I could, it was just uh, that bookstore sitcom you're talking about. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> and yeah. they built a Columbo around yeah. it, maybe, yeah. Um, I could see that, but I think I'd like to see a bit more um, documentation on it. But I, yeah. I could see where that would be the case. But it'd be weird that they would do that so late in the run. Well, so late in the run right. being the end of the run, pretty much. Um, I think yeah. the, the benefit of it would be that it's cheap. Yeah. If a show has already been, you know, 60, 70% shot, you know, even if you've got to get the actors back, you can, uh, you can save quite a bit of cash. And right. Columbo was wrapping up, so how much did they want to invest in it? That's true. And also, you don't see any of the, you don't see all the elements. You don't see dog in this. You don't. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, uh, you, you know, what was new for me was, I'm you, maybe this happens all the time. I, you know, I tend to like pull these things out when I rewatch is that, we for the or at least I feel like this is where we're learning about things Miss Columbo won't tolerate. Oh like right, <laughs> you think she will not tolerate pinball machines in the living room? Yes, and yeah. fifty-five dollar <laughs> books on erotic art. And yes, exactly. Usually it's every she loves everything. So this was a first for me <laughs> that oh, there's things she does not like. Oh, My wife actually, hates arcades and sex. <laughs> but but speaking of that, I, I did write down that when he um, uh, first uh, meets Devlin, he talks about going to see his one man show. Yeah. And and Columbo specifically uh, notes not the performance necessarily, but how he held the audience in thrall and how he controlled the audience, which I thought was interesting and maybe specific. That he was paying attention to how this guy, or remembered how this guy actually turned the audience on his favor. Mm-hmm. As sort of a thing maybe to kind of like, yeah, I, I know you're not going to probably charm me too much because I know what your game is and how you kind of act pretty much. Oh. But I agree with you. He, uh, they do make uh, Devlin really likable. And I think Columbo, oh, yeah. it's like at the end, you know, I always feel like you know whether Columbo likes somebody at the ending, whether he can actually be like, oh, like, again, he does the same thing he did with uh, uh, any port to storm where he has a drink. Right. With them. He's like, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. So I feel like he's likable in this episode. And I think, yeah, that. But you're right. Columbo is immediately pointing out that your charms aren't going to necessarily work on me. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, actually, I'm oh, sorry, please. I was just thinking Columbo probably really is a fan of the book. Yeah, I saw the tour, and yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go back actually to the um, that scene where he says that to him, and with the um, uh, the, the pinball machines, it, it's one of the more disturbing lines Columbo has ever said in the entire series. The it's one of the most out of place lines. Columbo it's has very ever said. strange. Uh, where uh, he, he's playing it, and the the uh, the pinball machine goes tilt. And he talks about, he says, like, I try too hard. It's an old problem with me. I keep steering and punching and pulling at things. Someday the whole sky is going to light up, and it's going to say, tilt, 
and that's going to be the end of the world. What the hell is that? <laughs> that is so strange. It's the last episode. Columbus taking acid. Yeah, right. Well, or, this it's guy bizarre. has seen a lot of murder. I mean, come yeah. on. It's finally taken its toll a little bit. <laughs> I guess, but oh my gosh, that is such a that's such a strange thing. That's another line that should have been in somebody else's mouth. It's very right, odd. Right. It was odd coming from Columbo. I agree. Well, and actually, the the thing, to, uh, the um, another one that just seemed a bit out of place too was when he shows the photo of the murder victim to the uh, the the woman working at the bookstore. She says, "Like, oh, he looks like he's asleep." He said, "Yes, ma'am. You could say that." <laughs> He'd usually be a bit more tender and empathetic than that. I think. And make a crack about a dead body in a photo, but all right. That, that struck me as strange, too, sort of. Although he does say later on when he's talking to Miss O'Connell, that, you know, I never know how to actually talk about murder. It doesn't get any easier for me. Right. Yeah, yeah. They they do sort of plumb the depths of Columbo a little bit in this episode. I didn't really think about right. it that way. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, it's some, some odd, odd, odd stuff. Yeah. Just getting ready to retire. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> um. Uh, the dart scene. Uh, when I watched this originally, the only scene that I unequivocally liked was the dart scene. I was, I, I, I believe my exact words were, why can't the whole thing be the dart scene? Not just because it's very funny and relaxed and it's a, it's a good palate cleanser because it's been kind of a grim episode or kind of a packed episode. But there's really wonderful interactions between Revel and Falk that go way beyond their dialogue bits. Mm-hmm. So if you watch that scene again, pay real close attention to, to Revel's face when Falk makes the throw where the dart just lands flat and bounces off. And he gives him a very suspicious, bemused look. Oh. And it's because he's thinking, it, it seems to be saying, either this man is an idiot or I am getting scammed. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's okay. a wonderful look. I, they really did oh, a nice. great... I actually got a screen cap of it. I loved it so much. Okay, good. Yeah, it was the, it was it oh Sergeant Galuli. Right. Yeah. What, uh, what what enabled Columbo to actually kind of play him, and then actually get the uh, yeah the bullseye at the very end of it. Well, isn't that what makes these two kind of really good? In fact, I think it's what makes the episode is again the interplay between these two. Yeah. And it's like the limerick contest. I mean, it seems a little corny as they're going through, but then when Columbo delivers that last limerick of like putting somebody in jail, right? Like it's like it's it like it makes all the corniness kind of dissipate into like oh they were building to this kind of very like really good moment in the dialogue where he's like telling him. I, I was a bit surprised because you don't see uh, Columbo drink on duty much. And he's going on, like, um, a pub crawls for this guy. Pretty much a couple of them. But then at the end, I kind of thought, oh, he realized what he does, and he's just going to places to be able to collect bottles for evidence. So he's just <laughs> right. keeping him drinking and drinking and drinking so he can go back later, maybe, <laughs> to collect. That, that's what I'm thinking it might have been. I don't know. I, yeah, I wanted I like an episode. I wanted a scene of that actually see like we could see Columbo driving to each bar, like scampering around LA. I know. I was kind of getting whiskey for bottles. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that might have been it. He was just kind of stringing him along to keep him going because once he saw like, hey, that's the bottle, the exact whiskey, and oh, the scra- you do that scratching thing, like oh, and then noticing he was doing it at each place, and I, that's, I, I would, I'm kind of hoping that was the intent there, but I don't. Well, know. Well, can I ask a question because. 
with the two of you, I am I allowed to call back earlier episodes? Are you guys officially a part of like the Columbo? If I remember them, pop sure. cultural experience is it like uh, you're now referenceable? Um, I've seen a bunch of them. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, is that I remember early on you both talking about like is Columbo a drinker? And mm. I remember John making a really interesting point that Columbo drinks to get closer to if the killer drinks, then odds are Columbo will have a drink. Yeah. Maybe unless he's he's so ad unless he just doesn't like the killer maybe. But what I also think I'm noticing with this episode and the one with uh, any any old port of storm is that Columbo also drinks. If he's going to drink, he drinks like the drinker. Oh God! Yeah, that's, that's good. good. I think so yeah, like, both of those. What's yes. his face, Carcini? It's more of like he's learning about the wine. He's appreciating it. And in this one, he knows Devlin's like a, you know a world class you know drinker, and so he's trying to keep. And in fact. This is probably the only time you actually see Columbo tipsy because you realize he's not at the same game as Devlin is with his drinking. Or, but or, he, is, he, or is he kind of playing a bit tipsier than he actually is? Could be. To get him off his I, game. I, I would think, think maybe he was, he's doing that. I think he was pacing a professional drinker. And he got, like the dart scene, I know the dart scene's a lot of fakery because he is playing, he's scamming him, but... right. He looks miserable in that scene. <laughs> he barely has his eyes open. It's 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 a real good drunk. Yeah, yeah but I, I think I think uh, Stephen, you're definitely right. I think he does, um, kind of yeah, go to whatever that person is doing. I I think it's just drinking too. He does it for other things yep. too, where he will do the research. He will learn about that person's specific mm. interest in world, and try to flatter them in a way by. Yeah, also saying, like, oh, I know about this and this and this, or try to impress them so they feel like, oh, well, that's nice of you, taking an interest in what I like. Oh, subliminal advertising, that's great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> read my book. Like, that sort of thing. And I think, yeah, it does, I think you're right, it does extend to, even if it's booze, uh, right. to try to just get on the person's side. I think it also lends a little side. bit that, like, Columbo isn't just a book-learned, like, detective, so to speak, or something, right. but he's experiential in what he does. Mm. That's what makes him so different, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, yeah. He'll take up jogging if he has to. So if you're, exactly. you're looking at a guy... He'll give up chili will, and cigars and take up jogging, yes. He will, yeah, he'll jog or he will drink. Those are the... He will do either of those things to <laughs> right. catch a killer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, LQ Jones was my favorite. Oh, the, the, the text. Yeah, the, the, of course. Yeah. Tex <laughs> Jensen, the RV dealer. Yes. Oh, man, uh, that's great. I, I, you know, it, you get music caught in you, you get those snippets of songs caught in your head. But I kept getting, I'll make a believer out of you like I made a believer out of Brother Polly. It just keeps rolling back and around in my head because it was said in such an amazing, mellifluous way. He was a blast. Yeah, yeah he's great. And actually, I'm looking at his uh, IMDb thing. The last thing he was in, he had a role in the uh, Prairie Home Companion film. That was his mm -hmm. last thing he did. Which I'm not going to rewatch that, but I that I'm glad he was working up until that point. Oh, he's still alive, actually. He's, he's still with yes. us. 1927. Yeah, his best work is uh, Peckinpah. If you if you're a fan of Sam yeah. Peckinpah, maybe. I have not seen much of his stuff, and I want to, and I should, and I feel that's a big hole for me. I need to see more of his things. Yeah. Oh, but what I like about LQ and this, what isn't awesome about him? In oh, yeah. He's great. His yeah, hair right? is awesome. His outfit's awesome. The Even fact like that RV he's... salesman's awesome. Yes. Right. The, the look he, the shake of his head after Devlin drives off. 
is it just conveys such miracles. Because when you when I watch it the first time, it's just what an idiot, you know, or what a weird thing that was. But you watch it a second time, and it's him shaking his head, going, "Well, that rookie doesn't know how to do this." And then right. he just right packs a car full of guns and drives to him later. Right, <laughs> right. using using his appearance, using Devlin's appearance on a, a talk radio show as mm-hmm. the right, uh, confirmation that that's the guy. Right. Because you know, I mean, Devlin, I mean, oh, Devlin, yeah, there's the thing where he's, I love the sequence where he's trying to go to other uh, uh, oh, arms yeah. dealers yeah. around Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, that is a good one of them. One of them is a hippie in a van who they got out of the, the gun business to get into the happy stuff, Coke, Poppy, and Hash. <laughs> the other one is in what, some meatpacking place? And Devlin yeah. uses uh, his book jacket as a sort of calling card. It's like, yeah, go to hell. And like, just pulls his... <laughs> forklift around as drives away and so yeah, but the best a, one, oh, wait the best one is the third one who is oh, a guy what? who is meeting with a guy at night who's in the ira who says i only sell guns legally yes right? well why'd you show up leave what? a message next time yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh this is maybe really want to rewatch the wild bunch by the way oh um, <laughs> yeah but it was just yeah. the the, the uh, rv full of uh, guns packaged up like yeah, actually, a package of drugs to me was very strange. <laughs> they were under the seats. They were in the stove. They were in the microwave. Which, them, brother, those are yeah. those are two bad places to store uh, guns with live <laughs> ammunition. By the way, if I understand correctly, you don't want to put them in the microwave in the uh, oven. But yeah, that that RV <laughs> and the radio station parking lot was just full of guns. Yeah, my my favorite mental image there was was Devlin driving that off. Or Carrie driving it off the devil. Oh, right. Back. Someone had to do that. Someone had to drive it to the tugboat dock. Right. But just on the way being that like, ah, oh, it's a long drive. I'm going to go see if there's anything in the fridge. Oh, yeah, guns. Right, uh, I'm going to yeah. microwave this burrito real quick. Ah, oh, guns. No, no, don't, no. <laughs> oh, and actually, uh, speaking of, oh, another one other thing that did kind of bother me of this. Uh, the fact that Columbo was tipped to uh, the actual way the guns were going to be moved onto the freighter by seeing the flag, which, that's a weird thing too. Uh, mm. Using the um, uh, binoculars, coin-operated binoculars, he had no change on them because Columbo never has money. And there's happened to be a quarter in that. That's Okay, that's weird. The luck thing, I get it. But seeing the but, flag... Uh, are they playing off the fact that like in the 70s, sometimes people would leave like a dime in the phone? Yeah, that's true. So okay. some, just somebody yeah. could use it. They do that with uh, parking parking meters. Now. Oh yeah, parking right. meters. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but but because he sees the O'Connell Industries flag on the uh, the tugboat, right. and he's like, "Oh, it's because of a needle point." Not really. He recognized the flag on the wall of the office. It wasn't really it wasn't really Jeanette Nolan that tipped him off. And right, I've seen right. that online a couple other places. Like, oh, that was a big clue. Her needle point. Like, no, it was the well known famous flag for this famous massive corporation. That's what did it. So people online, stop writing that it was Jeanette Nolan's <laughs> needlepoint. I beg of you. You're Way wrong. Hey, you know what, though? That is a bit of a twist on, you know, the general of Columbo, where he's solving two mysteries instead of one. Oh, that, yes, that's a good point, too. Yeah, it, it's strange. He's like, desperately working against time uh, to stop people in Ireland from getting guns to shoot English people. Right. Which uh, I think... You know, and I think why I like, because I think when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, that's weird. But the second time I liked about it is it works really well at the end where Devlin is more or less like, yeah, I'll go to prison. Like, he's like, whatever, because right. my guns are going to Ireland. And then it's like, 
Don't, and again, like another sad trombone plays. It's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. here comes the Coast Guard full yes. on. Your guns aren't making it, like, type moment. He screws everything up, this guy. He doesn't get a single <laughs> thing right, except selling books. That's it. Oh, my God, Devlin. Yeah, you got to sell a book. You're such a jinx. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, it manifests itself so beautifully at the end of the episode, too, because it almost would have been enough just to have a Coast Guard, like, ship come out. Right, yeah. But right at the end, you got to see, like, 15 different Coast Guard vessels just descend <laughs> on this ship. Like, you... If Joe Devlin ever has a come to Jesus moment, it has got to be that. Right. It is that. Well, I fucked up so bad. This blew the budget for the entire series. Oh, not right. just that. Even before that, there's a helicopter shot of mm-hmm. Columbo's right. car on a bridge. I my mind was blown by that. That <laughs> looks so nice and expensive. Yeah. I was so happy they sprung for that for the last episode. Yeah. That was lovely. Good for them, producers. <laughs> Nice work. He deserved it. Well, how do you think Columbo gets access to Customs, FBI, and the Coast Guard? I don't know, because you never see. I mean, does, yeah. is that, does he have that reach? Is he like the king of L.A. when it comes to this point? Like, he's solved every murder case he's ever done his hands on, so everybody's like, oh, Columbo's on the phone. Uh, for the script, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point taken. This The script said it, so yes, he does. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It seems like... Yeah, the feds and the customs people would have kind of stepped in. You wouldn't have seen so much interaction, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but that was fine. That, that was yeah. fine. No, it was okay with it. Uh, Columbo, I did like, uh, we talked about the radio sh- I, I mentioned the radio show a bit before. The fact that Columbo makes the tow truck driver, uh, who's towing his red car, pull over. <laughs> so Columbo can call in to Badger Devlin live on the air right. on the radio show. That was fun. I love this line where he's like, right, Michael Dolan, right. Like, he's like, and that, I don't know. That was a, I thought that was a great, like, yeah. Yeah, that was actually, like, that yeah. was a fun one, yeah. I kind of wish there had been more of those like that. Right. But I want to point out, did you notice his car in this episode is so messed up? Like, there's oh, no headlight. it's very beat up, yeah. It's worse like, than how ever. Did, how did this club even get away with, like, no headlight driving around? Like, the, the license plate's twisted. Like, there's, if you do, like, a couple, because, you know, you're always, I'm always screen-grabbing the show. It's just completely bombed out at this point. They laid it on a bit thick for this one. I don't know if it was because... And actually, you know, I, I've not read much about the production of the show. I just I just watched the series as someone who watches the show. I, this was the last one produced. Did they know it had been canceled? Did it not get picked up by NBC mm-hmm. after this? Or is this something where they knew this was it, it was over, it was I, done, and that's it, and we're moving on. I have the answer to that. Thanks oh, to uh, thanks to the Columbo file. Okay. Um, there, it was not canceled. The ratings were good enough to keep going. It's just it reached that sort of natural wandering away point. Oh, mm. interesting. Like no, people, yeah. everybody felt like you know what? We're good. We're fine. Let me see if I can find the actual line. Interesting. Uh, I like that. Be- I like that better. Yeah, oh, I can't. Find and then, it. They, anyway, and then, yeah. they, then they came oh, back it, no, it and did the stuff they did later. Yeah. Uh, in early 1970, <laughs> Falk told a reporter that it was a quote flip of the coin as to whether there would be another season. Uh, and actually, NBC said it was just the budget overruns that were the problem. Oh, so I there can were see no. That too, yeah. yeah. Well, those helicopter shots—they hadn't done that. Yeah, it's not, there was another. The there was another season. I think it was a good time for it to go out. That last, oh, sure. the six and seven seasons were weird. Yeah. yeah, they there were a lot of good episodes there, but they were they they didn't have they didn't feel like they were part of a whole. Like fade into murder, right? 
goes right. is in the same season as the Bye Bye Sky High, Sky High IQ murder case. Right. And to me, those feel like they're in two different seasons. Yeah, right. and I, I always forget that Fade Into Murder was a later one. I always mm-hmm. think of that one as being kind of one of the earlier really good ones, and yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Here's another one. Murder Under Glass was season seven, and I always think of that one, the Jonathan Demme one with... Oh, um, right, yes, yeah, yeah. Dad, which I always think of as being second or third season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And Try and Catch Me, too. That's another one. Like Try and that. Catch Me, and then How to Dial a Murder is that in one, seventh season. That yeah. one I could see as being a later one because it's weird. Yeah, but I mean, it, I don't think it belongs with Try and Catch Me or The Conspirators. No, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know, I will say one thing, though, is I, this episode, rewatching it again, what made me think, like, I, I kind of now wanted to see what it might have looked like in the early 80s. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they'd done something, even if, yeah, if they hadn't waited 10 years, or maybe like two, three, four years, and bring everybody back for like three of them or something something like that, just to see what you would have done with that. Yeah, because hmm. I'm trying to think early 80s, like what kind of cop detective shows had really kind of taken hold and gotten popular then? Is what, Hill, Hill Street Blues too right. early? Or is that like 82? No, that would have been, like yeah. 80. No, yeah. That, that, that's about right, yeah. Like, would it have been a grittier thing than the late 80s, early 90s ones? Would it have been... Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Hill Street is Hill Street changes everything, right? But That's in the eighties, you've idea. also got you've got Magnum PI, yeah. Miami Vice, Remington Steel. You still got all these shows. Oh, so really like a lot broad. of really weird, yeah, very broad, very glossy, kind yeah. of not super right. deep things. Yeah, what the heck would they have done? Because I, I do feel like the writing in this episode is really tight. I don't know why I say that. I mean, I feel like there's just like some jokes that are like sly. It's a little more like. You gotta like listen to it twice to catch it. I feel like that maybe it could have gotten sharper in that area. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I could see that because I mean, yeah, I I, I can see that your your point about the writing being tight, but I still feel like there's maybe too much of it because it was one of those ones they had to fill with two hours as opposed to ninety minutes. That's true. Yeah. So I think it could have been. No, I mean, I, there's a good stuff there. Like, it's, yeah, some good sharp tight stuff. But I think they could have made it even tighter and better. In a way, I don't know. I I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah. I think this is what makes me think that maybe some of the scenes were already filmed when they started adapting it for Columbo. Because yeah, I really want to know. I really yeah. want to know where that came from. Because if it's that would be very interesting. If there's any sort of proof to that, because it would make a lot of sense for a lot of stuff. You know, we're gonna find out. There's gonna be a damn special feature on the damn DVD that I didn't look at again. And then I get to feel like a moron when one oh, of our listeners that. says. I doubt that. Unless unless a special <sighs> feature is hidden in America's Greatest Detectives or... Wait, isn't some, that the only some special feature season. on the DVDs? There's never any good special features. No, on not DVDs. these. It's either that or two uh, Mrs. Columbo episodes. That's right. it. Yeah. That's yeah. the only things they ever put on, these things. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really collect a lot for these uh, sets. Which, that's fine. The episodes are on. They're good. They look good. But still, it'd be nice... A little bit more background or something, anything. I don't know. Yeah. Throw a bone. That's right. <laughs> well, let's uh, start going around the horn, uh, talk about the overall thoughts. I mean, unless are there other scenes you guys want to talk about here? Are there elements? I mean, I think... I mean, for something I didn't like in the first place and liked a bit better the second time, I still had, like, three pages of notes because there were still, like, a yeah. lot of interesting, odd elements in it. So... 
I mean, if I had to add one other thing with the the my reason why I still oh, hey, hold on, Stephen, Stephen, uh, add one other thing or add please just one more thing. I... Oh, just one more thing, if okay. I can just say, Thank is you. that I'm scratching my head. Is uh, <laughs> again, it's like the filler scenes, like where they're looking at the flat tire at the pier. Yes. Like that's a really great back and forth where he's like, oh yeah, great place to keep your spare tire. Like they're just sort of like even like <laughs> yeah. offhandedly riffing on each other. That's a good and joke. It's like it's good. Like it still hits. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I mean, so that would just be that was one of the scenes that one stuck out to me. Like, oh, I want to talk about that one, but that that might be it. I guess <laughs> I'm I'm more thinking of things uh, like when they're laying on the twin beds in the hotel room for it seems like, what a weird scene for it holy seems like holy. 15 minutes trying to figure out well it could have happened this way or maybe that's it things like that is more of what speaking i'm thinking of, of they could have speaking of the intimacy what a weirdly potently intimate scene also because i don't they, Columbo has weird reactions to the suggestions Devlin makes. Like he's humoring him in a sort of condescending way, and Devlin doesn't yeah. pick up on it somehow. It's it's odd. Yeah. Well, you don't you don't think Devlin is like because he walks it. What Columbo says him like walking into the hotel room like you're a creative person with I would say a superior logical brain. Right. It's, Devlin it's, it's doesn't actually Colum- bite, but I think he's like oh the brain is tired. You know, like he's all, I think he's like you know sort of busting on him a little bit. Probably, but also I think he, I think Devlin is maybe the type who would sort of, uh, kind of accept and absorb that sort of, uh, flattery like that, which Columbo always uses to trap people. It's like, oh, I don't know, you help me because I know what I'm doing. I'm just a dumb cop. Yeah, but you don't think though, Devlin? I mean, because he's had so, like, he does a whole routine on like engaging with police officers. That's... Know, I mean, I think that was a little underlying that he kept saying like, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that, type stuff. Yeah, I guess so, but I think I think he still does fall for it a little bit to a certain extent. Oh, I do agree when he takes him out for lunch and all of a sudden he's like, oh, crap, there's my whiskey bottle. Right. right. Yeah, I think like, oh, I went too far. Oh, I fell into this. Next time, take him to Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Everybody's got every. There's something you can like. Everybody got something. <laughs> Just get a fucking Fintuzzler full of blue margaritas or something. A you don't think they still uh, fools Irish do at uh, Applebee's? <laughs> In Columbo verse, maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to think like other uh, alcohols like that that have been in other TV shows and films that show up from like over and over, and I couldn't really think of any off the top of my head. Like uh, things like that. I mean, there's the uh, cigarettes, the Morley's and X Files, you know, that sort of thing. I'm trying to think like other like whiskeys or beers or things that show up in different TV shows. Hey, folks, leave a comment if you know any of those (laughs) (laughs) on the web blog entry for this. Well, uh, Stephen, okay. Oh, so overall, you like this one? Uh, Your overall impressions? Where? I mean, you kind of mentioned it before, but where it ranks for you in the the uh, Columbo episodes you've seen? Obviously, you've spent a lot of time with this episode, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I wonder if that does that affect how you feel about it all, or yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Well, yeah, I will admit I was feeling a little tired of it until I had to watch it, and then I remembered, like, oh yeah, because when I do the screen caps, I'm just usually zipping through the episode, so this was nice to sort of go back and visit it. But again, I think what I liked about this episode. Was again, it's a great killer. Even though he's a he's a shitty killer, actually, as you're pointing out. But as a character and his relationship with Columbo, yeah, I think that really made me more engaged in this episode than I was in the past. And again, I think what stands for me is that at the end, it made me want to see more Columbos, maybe a little further into the late '70s, early '80s. No, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would have been, been nice. a different beast. Would have been neat to see. 
I mean, it's it's it's, it's, only, it's the way that the um, Columbo likes the nightlife, where that one uh, made me so desperately want to see more Columbos into the further into the two thousands because they figured out yeah. what to do with it. It would have been interesting to like see like okay, in that era of television, what would they have done? Yeah, it's a, so so that's a really I never really thought about that before. What it would be like going up against those other types of TV shows, other types of cop shows, detective shows, as they were kind of changing on that time. Like, how would they have adapted or would they even tried at all? But I think they would have. But yeah, who the heck? Man, that, I'm going to be thinking about that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So, so I know you guys are trying to wrap this series up, so I apologize for... That's fine. <laughs> God. We'll never wrap this up. Um, yeah, so I, like I said before, the first time I saw this... I really, really, really disliked it. And then the second time, I saw a lot more that was interesting and good about it. I think overall, it's like, I think it's an okay episode. It's definitely not uh, one of my favorites of the first run, uh, the, the, the first phase of Columbo. But it, it, yeah, it, it's not bad. It, it's okay. But yeah, there there's some major problems I have there. But I think you're right. A lot of it is the charm of uh, Revel's character uh, and his interactions mm. with Falk. Uh, some of the Falk detective stuff, and this is kind of interesting, too. Um, but yeah, it's got a lot of faults, but it's all right. Not not nearly as many faults as some of the ones that uh, are just kind of media. It's, it's not a mediocre episode. It's an okay episode. Yeah. It just, it's just weird to me that this is the one they went out on. I guess mm. the thing that always strikes me, and that that's the factor that's always there in my head. Like, oh, this was going to be your last one? Yeah, okay, well... You know, in, in shows without narrative, it is always weird to see what they do for the last episode. I can't think of one that ever felt like it really landed. Yeah, because there's no there, there's no there story to wrap up here. It's just like, yeah. well, here's another one this week. Okay, there's no more. Sorry. Like, I, I sort of feel, just to get off topic a little bit, but, like, it wasn't that really the problem with the Seinfeld finale. It just, everybody was expecting it to do a wrap-up, but it just did a, another episodic thing. See, mm. that's, I will defend that uh, thing, the Hilda. I thought that was a perfect way to end that show, but yeah. That's cool, but I, I mean, what I'm saying is, yeah. there's tons of people who hated it. And oh, yeah, just, I know. I think that's their reason, yeah. Well, yeah, and they're wrong, but yeah. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> John. Yes, sir. Uh, how would you rate this episode? Well, before I get there, we forgot two really obvious fake alcohols. There's Duff beer, of course. Oh, uh, yes, and, of course. Yeah, yeah. And Heisler. What's Heisler? What's, what's Heisler is the Morley of uh, of beers. You, mm. I have a list here of shows that it's been on. Oh, of Bones, course. Desperate Housewives, Everybody Hates Chris, Heroes, How I Met Your Mother, My Name is Earl, New Girl, Two and a Half Men, CSI, Weeds, Training Day, Superbad, and many more. It, it's like one of those things I always like seeing that um, a weird winter mint gum ad that shows up on the back page of magazines and films and TV shows uh, once in a while. I have no idea right. what it is, but there's, it's, it's always that same ad that prop people used for... Oh, I know yeah, what you mean, yeah. 80s and 90s, yeah. The, the, the usage of it I, I re, I'm remembering in my head right now is in... Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Chevy Chase is in bed and he's reading a magazine. And it's there, very obviously. It's that same <laughs> ad with the gum pieces, the gum slices arranged in front of a forest or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I love, I love fake ads and fake. Props oh yeah, especially the ones that are used over and over again. So you get that. Yeah. Nice... Well, if you're yeah. going to do uh, FUD, do you also do? I mean, uh, Duff the Offer. <laughs> right. Right. The beer that maybe LQ Jones would drink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Uh, I really want to find one that LQ Jones would drink. There's a nice little uh, fictive <laughs> beer poster I'm looking at. Cerveza Chango, <laughs> which is which is the um, Robert Rodriguez brand that pops up in all those Oh, uh, okay. So I'll yeah. give that one to LQ Jones. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this episode, uh, first time I watched it was years ago, uh, at the end of my binge watch on, on Netflix and I found it dull, did not capture my attention, watched it with Kate a couple times. We both found it dull. It was really hard to engage with hmm. until I put my headphones on and all of a sudden it felt like a complete episode. Huh. So I'm not sure if that's just like, is that a failing in how I watch TV? I need to think about <laughs> uh, I don't want to headphone everything, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I still think the pacing or the level, I'm not really sure what to call it is 100% a failure. And that brings down everything else, even the stuff that's really tremendous. But if you're willing to sit there and really watch this one and drink it in, <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to see there's some really tremendous performances. We forgot to mention just before Vincent Pauly dies, he gets like uh, uh, like an offended teenager. He's something like, I don't have to explain my life to you. Which I <laughs> thought was justified, so... but yes. <laughs> He's just, he gets real whiny about it, too. He's like, you don't, you're not the boss of me and you're not my real father. Puts a clip and an Uzi and, or a scorpion, whatever it was. Um so I mean, there's tons of great performances. Revel is great. His accent is a, is a mess. It's it, I, I think he's doing Dublin. I'm not sure, but at one point he slips into Liverpudlian, which is how you how I usually guess that it's Dublin. But anyway, um, great scenes with Falk and Revel. Really hope I'm pronouncing his name right because this week I've been pronouncing every actor's name wrong. I called him Michael Seurat. And uh, we're we're talking about going to a, a riverboat casino in uh, Illinois, and I call it, apparently my entire life I've been wrong. I thought it was Haraz Casino. That's Harris, anyway, right? Yeah, Harris. it's Haraz. Yeah, yeah, it's just Haraz and Michael Sarah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I think there's a just there's a lot of value in watching this one really closely. It's not perfect, and there's a, a lot of it, you know pacing could use some work. The the weird self congratulatory I'm leaving lines from Columbo were weird, but I'd still say this one's really worth watching. I'm going to rate it a little low just because of the, of the problems, but you should get around to it. I give it about five and a half, six, let's say six, um, six RVs full of illegal weapons bound up like naughty books. Out of, out of 10. ten. Yes. Out of 10. And, and I, I, okay. And listening to the headphones, I want to ask you, did you notice the crazy ADR in this? So much, uh, very, very much recorded dialogue and everything after the fact that shows up a lot. I in think this they episode, were, which is strange. Uh, I do feel they are connecting scenes that were filmed at different times. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that lends credence to the uh, the mm -hmm. conspiracy theory of the conspirators theory. <laughs> I didn't even mean that when I said it. The conspirators <laughs> theory of this uh, being possibly something else that had to be shoehorned into a Columbo for yeah, money. I'm, but yeah, there's a lot of. Yeah, weird dialogue. I'm upset. Well, oh, whatever. Yeah, long. it took us this long to get to conspirators theory. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even. I, <laughs> I just. I backed into it. I stumbled into it. I didn't know. I didn't know until like after I had said it. Like, oh, I just said a thing. RJ, RJ made a thing. Anyway, well, thank you, Stephen, for being back yes, thank on you. the program. And uh, if people want to see 
your, your work, your tireless work documenting these episodes, where should they go? Uh, so you can always go to columbiainteriors.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's really it. Although I, I would like to thank the both of you for encouraging me for the other stuff I do on Robophono. I ended up doing, because after you asked me last episode, I was kind of, and they're like, what else do you like? What else do you do? I was like, yeah. So I now also have an Instagram and a Twitter because of the two of you. So I, I think. Oh, good. Uh, and, and, and yeah, tell people, tell people uh, the addresses so, for those. Well, so Robophono is my cataloging work on vinyl. And you can also go to Robophono Tumblr. I mean, a Robophono Instagram or Robophono on Twitter. All right, good. We did something, John. Hey. Four, four years four years and 68 episodes we've accomplished oh. something at least can i <laughs> ask can, i know this is usually the wrap-up and so how do you all feel i mean i i was thinking about this you know like when i had to finally wrap up the combo interiors and i was like oh, i'm done with mm. colombo and then i just started doing more colombo because i for some reason couldn't let it go how do you all feel as you're getting close to the end is this it for you all with colombo Oh, you mean like ever watching the show? Pretty much. No, I'm just doing more. Because <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before you, I watch a full episode. I mean, the way John watches episodes, I would say yeah. I could see it. But I mean, like, do you think you would do more? You know, some sort of whatever it is, mediated or media thing on I, Columbo. I don't think so, because I think I think it's a good thing for a program like this uh, to have this uh, finite goal. And like, okay, we discussed the series, we discussed the episodes, there we go, move on to something else, perhaps. I think it's good to have a complete thing. Cause I, I know the, uh, the, the the Scottish fellows have done that, I think the other uh, folks uh, who are doing these out there, I would, I would think I would advise them that that's a good way to look at it, because you can actually see uh, the end to the tunnel, as opposed to yeah. a lot of podcasts where you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. I, I actually, you know what, I, I, would, I would actually compare it to well, it, it's ridiculous compared to this, but uh, John, what you said <laughs> about wait. what John, what you said about the, them feeling feel like, uh, oh well, it's a good time to end it. This we know, there's a good time to end it. There's no more episodes to talk about. You've covered the topic, yeah. you've gone over it, and so you have a really good natural ending point to it, which I think that I think that's actually better for this sort of format mm-hmm. as opposed to just. Yeah. You keep going on and gassing about whatever until, uh, you know, Armageddon comes. Yeah. John, how do you feel about it? <laughs> well, you know, we, we have some ancillary media we can always investigate. There's been three Columbo novels. Oh, and um, I would love it. You guys, I love the cross media books. You could do like the puzzles, the board game. Maybe you could just try to pick those out, see what happens. <laughs> the board game. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, the Columbo board game's amazing. <laughs> oh, actually, I just had a really good idea. Yeah, save it. Say, don't, don't. Yeah, just, just I'm not going to say off. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to no, save no, it for right. afterwards. But I am okay. going to tease the entire audience by saying this is a really good idea. Okay, it's it's, it's really good. It's a th- a third Mrs. Columbo, <laughs> as opposed to the two we were going to do. So I there think, you go. RJ, this will actually fire you up. I think oh. this is going to be exciting. All right, all right. <laughs> well, uh, John, what do you have? Uh, what irons do you have in the fire? Uh, I don't know if my book is out yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, so I'll tell you what. If so you it's are John in, Morris uh, on, uh, on Amazon. You'll see if it is or not. <clears throat> yes, I actually just got an author's page because my publicist was giving me shit. Oh. Anyway, uh, if you are going to be in southern Illinois between June 7th and June 10th, will this come out before then? Um, next, it'll come out. No, it won't. Uh, it'll come out right afterwards. Yes, I think. Huh. Yeah. So if you were in Southern Illinois on June 7th <laughs> through June 10th, attending the Metropolis, Illinois Superman celebration, oh. I sure hope you saw me. 
All right, and and <laughs> and past guest um, uh, Leonard Pierce, I believe, is in your so. Yeah, Leonard. Leonard and I are taking a little trip down to uh, going to Chicago for the first time in my life, and uh, we're going to go down to Metropolis, Illinois, for and a so, Superman. Celebration. And so, if you see uh, John and a man with a socialist beard walking around <laughs> looking at Superman memorabilia, there you go. That was yeah. That. It was a your brush with fame. I, uh, I'm right excited. Right into that... Gawker. Oh no. I'm so excited that one of the two babies who from Superman the Where movie is this going? and what? really the teenage the teenage Clark Kent from Superman the movie will be there to sign autographs. Really? My yeah, I'm, I got trading cards. I'll bring them. That's a. Stunning. Can you take a book up and write uh, ourselves alone in it? And, <laughs> <laughs> and then explain to them the joke because they have no choice. Oh man. Anyway, it's it's uh, from the from the troubles on Krypton, the people who supported Jor El against the Science Council. <laughs> Their long struggle. Anyway, oh my. So I I did and this in this kind of like a nerd boat. I uh, I also realized that tonight uh, Clyde Revel uh, was the original Alfred uh, in the early uh, Batman the Animated Series episodes. Before, oh. before Ephraim Zimbalist uh, took over. Yeah, I, I was surprised yeah. by that. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently sucked. He was only three episodes. So yeah. Anyway, what's your first time around? Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes, just more thing, you can go to jmtpodcast.com or look for us in the TV and film section of iTunes or whatever you happen to use to download podcasts. Uh, if you want to follow us for other uh, more timely updates, we're on Twitter at GMT Podcast and Tumblr at GMT Podcast where John uh, is always posting uh, other material from Columbo around the internet and uh, screen grabs and uh, his further thoughts and episodes. Uh, if you want to write to us, uh, we don't mind getting correspondence from you and we'll hopefully read some of them on the air, the, well, the fake internet air. Uh, you can write to us at Columbo at CDS.net. Well, that's the show for this time around. We'll hopefully be talking to you pretty soon. I'm RJ White. I'm John Morris. And uh, have have a good one, folks. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Uh, there's, of course, ten more oh, episodes right. of Mrs. Columbo. But oh. we did... We... <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me more. Oh. Yeah, you you are not in agreement with our listeners, according to our stats. No, no. <laughs> Should I say that because it's fun? Yeah, please, tell yeah. them. So, uh, so uh, it's fun because iTunes recently... Uh, recently, being like the last few months, uh, they, the people who produce podcasts, you can actually look at uh, episode by episode and go through the whole thing. It's fascinating because uh, you can play the audio and see on this uh, chart, okay, where people tend to drop off listening to the episode. And you can see like how many people like go through the entire thing. And I know uh, we go a bit long sometimes, and we do the little bits at the end, you know, talking about curling or comedy <laughs> bits or something from the show, who knows, or whatever. Um, we're talking about how I interrupt people all the time, whatever. And we don't we don't keep a bunch of people, but we do we do okay. Also, I'll say you know like uh, lower mid eighties, we keep them through the entire uh, five hour spectacle. That is just one more thing. <laughs> um, the last one we did about uh, Mrs. Colombo episode, uh, we we kept nineteen percent of the listeners through the entire thing. And, and you know what? We lost the 80% about two or three minutes in when they found out it was a Mrs. Columbo. So, 
It's yeah. not. It's not a popular one with the kids usually. I mean, we're. I think I, I still want to do a couple more before we uh, get done with this. But uh, we we know it's not something uh, the listeners are screaming or beating down the doors for. Really, right. it's it was it's fascinating a lot of fun to, to do that. It, it's yeah. just fascinating to see it actually on a graph and with the actual numbers. <laughs> you're like, oh wow, oh dear. Oh, well, can I? The way they make it feel good is I'm a downloader of the uh, of the uh, show. I don't listen to it live. I download it, put it on my phone, and then we'll listen to it in the car. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. So maybe maybe you have more, and you just don't realize there's there's some like me. Yeah, I think there's undoubtedly yeah. a cult following of the Mrs. Columbo episodes because we have some like vocal supporters of these, which is confusing. But yes. They like them. 